Let's say our opening prayer. O Heavenly Father, O Heavenly Father, Divine Mother, Divine Mother, Beloved Jesus Christ, Beloved Jesus Christ, Blessed Master, Blessed Master, Beloved Mother, Beloved Mother, Beloved David, Beloved David, Saints and Sages of all religions, Saints and Sages of all religions, Bow to all of you. I bow to all of you. Free my life from all obstacles. Free my life from all obstacles. And give me physical, mental, and spiritual development. And give me physical, mental, and spiritual development. Make my mind thy temple. Make my mind thy temple. Make my heart thy altar. Make my heart thy altar. Make my love thy home. Make my love thy home. Be thou the only king. Be thou the only king. Reigning on the throne of my consciousness. Reigning on the throne of my
Captain Peony asked me to play a chant called Lord Jesus Christ, and it's uh, inspired by David's uh, um, telling the young man in India to chant Lord Jesus Christ, and uh, and then you can it says Isha Om or Isa Om.
thank you all very much. Beautiful music. Such a nice thing to add. For whatever reason, God, through Master, has put us all together. And we should have no expectations of any, anything but this respect for the teachings that Master brought. And to learn to love the saints that he brought to this Western world, that he lifted up. Kriyananda was a tremendous sage, if not saint. There's no doubt that he was doing the will of the Master. And he did a really amazing, amazing job. And he attracted such wonderful people to his, his uh, teachings and to his places. And so with Mother and David, these are people who have something special to offer also. So we can all learn different things. I had a bookmark. So Bible reading today is from uh, St. Luke, chapter 1, starting with verse 24. <clears throat> so this is, uh, for, before this was discussing Elizabeth and her husband, um, probably someone knows it, um, Zacharias, isn't it? And he has just gone into the Holy of Holies and come out. And during the time he was in the Holy of Holies, he had a uh, meeting with Gabriel, the archangel, I think it says. Yeah, Gabriel. And, um, <coughs> and uh, promised that he would have a son, though. His mother, his wife was quite old. And after those days, his wife Elizabeth conceived and hid herself five months, saying, Thus hath the Lord dealt with me in the days wherein he looked on me to take away my reproach among men. And in the sixth month, the angel Gabriel was sent from God unto a city of Galilee named Nazareth, to a virgin espoused to a man whose name was Joseph, of the house of David, and the virgin's name was Mary. And the angel came in unto her and said, Hail, though, hail thou that art highly favored, the Lord is with thee. Blessed art thou among women. And when she saw him, she was troubled at his saying, and cast in her mind what manner of salutation should this should be. And the angel said unto her, Fear not, Mary, for thou hast found favor with God. And behold, thou shalt conceive of in thy womb, and bring forth a son, and shall call his name Jesus. He shall be great, and shall be called the Son of the Highest, and the Lord God shall give unto him the throne of his father David. And he shall reign over the house of Jacob forever, and of his kingdom there shall be no end. Then said Mary unto the angel, How shall this be, seeing I know not man, know not a man? 
And the angel answered and said unto her, The Holy Ghost shall come upon thee, and the power of the highest shall overshadow thee. Therefore also that holy thing which shall be born of thee shall be called the Son of God. And behold thy cousin Elizabeth, she hath also conceived a son in her old age, and this is the sixth month with her who is called barren. For with God nothing shall be impossible. And Mary said, Behold the handmaid of the Lord. Be it unto me according to thy word. And the angel departed from her. And Mary arose in those days and went into the hill country with haste into a city of Judah and entered into the house of Zacharias and saluted Elizabeth. And it came to pass that when Elizabeth heard the salutation of Mary, the babe leaped in her womb and Elizabeth was filled with the Holy Ghost. And she spake out with a loud voice and said, Blessed art thou among women, and blessed is the fruit of thy womb. And whence is this to me that the mother of my Lord should come to me? For lo, as soon as the voice of thy salutation sounded in mine ears, the babe leaped in my womb for joy. And blessed is she that believed, for there shall be a performance of those things which were told her from the Lord. And Mary said, My soul doth magnify the Lord, and my spirit hath rejoiced in God my Savior. And then we have a reading from Mother, uh, 1963, December, Christmas uh, talk that she gave, December 22nd, 1963. This, that story, had, and she had just previously read, uh, uh, read uh, chapter 2, and basically this uh, same story, of course. That story has been told millions and millions of times since the time of Christ, and it never ceases to be a tale of glory because it is a story of Christ, the Savior of every man. He resides in the heart of everyone. He is that infinite intelligence which is within each of us. We who are on the path of higher truth have come to see the birth of the Christ in a very different way than we saw it when we followed the story historically. And yet that historical story has a charm a mystic quality about it that never ceases to hold us enraptured. We think of all the events leading up to the birth of Jesus, the Son of Man, who became the Christ, the Son of God, and they are thrilling indeed. His birth was prophesied even in Isaiah, and it said that a child would be born who would be a savior to men. Now, of course, the Jews have a different interpretation of what Isaiah was talking about, probably the Messiah, and don't accept uh, Jesus as that. But we learned something from India that this is a perennial philosophy, that this um, expectation of the Messiah is a natural state of the spiritual man. The... Um, this seeing the similarities in different teachings that the Christians did with the Jews and then stopped from that point on seeing it anywhere else and not accepting uh, new teachings at all, uh, at least in terms of biblical level of uh, belief, that um, they still don't see anything but a single Christ coming again. Now, the fact that they're seeing him come again, they admit, they 
promote that the Messiah has come. And then they add the idea of this expectation of waiting for the Christ to come again. Well, this is exactly what the ancient laws, the laws and teachings and the stories of the yugas and the and the different incarnations, the avatars that come down to the earth. This is a natural state of the spiritual man to have this expectation. It's reflected in your own consciousness and it's reflected out. It does happen both places. There is a movement that happens historically and happens in the world. Oftentimes it's not recognized at the time and it's only in hindsight that it's seen. And similarly, in the, uh, within the body, within the soul, the, in, the individual ego goes through this same story of expecting the Christ to be born, waiting for the Messiah to be born within his or her own consciousness. Now, in India, we're taught the word realization. The master named very deliberately his organization, Self-Realization Fellowship. And, of course, the self is capitalized. It's the God-self, realization of your God-self within you. So when we see these stories of the Christ and being born in all this, and Mother has teachings associating the pineal and the pituitary glands, representing the Joseph and Mary glands and the, um, the or the Joseph and Mary uh, parts of the story, the characters in the story. So Mother has some uh, esoteric teachings uh, around this uh, whole process and how it actually happens within the body, within the uh, spirit that we go through. This is through Kundalini is the mechanism, and this is a natural, normal bodily realization that comes to physical reality. You get beat red. You have tremendous uplifting experiences being brought up in the Holy Ghost, as Elizabeth said, brought up in the spirit of, by the Holy Ghost. This ascension, this lifting into the higher realms is... Uh, is what this is all about. You know, I, I've talked uh, several times about my love for St. Francis, the little flowers of St. Francis, because they have stories that are fanciful, not intended to be taken literally or historically. They were written a couple hundred years, a hundred to more years after uh, St. Francis's passing. But they have within themselves inculcated the notions, the teachings of St. Francis, and they played out in different, really delightful ways of severe uh, austerities that St. Francis went through and his strict adherence to only God being worth anything to talk about. And that to uh, lower yourself, to defeat the ego, is really what he's teaching in his own demonstration, in his own example. These stories were never seen historically as being accurate, and this is what we think, and what Mother teaches is was uh, the, yeah, again, I don't know, I don't, want, I don't want to call it a mistake so much as say it was the teaching of the time that did Jesus, these things happened to a particular person. And um, to take away that universality and to invest it all into a church, 
these things are not wrong in themselves. There's a time for all of these things. As Sri Yukteswar says, there's the honey and the hive go together. The hive has to be there. For the honey to be protected? And of course, there are really bad things that happen with all organizations eventually, and there's, there's ups and downs. But you stay with it, and you go through the ups, and you enjoy the ups, and you, and you live through the downs, and you solve the problems, and you lift the consciousness of, of the next generation or the next movement of spirit through any group. So this Christian story is not um, anything to demean or to deprecate with our Christian friends. It doesn't do any good, and it's not, not really important. And if we think of what Master really wanted, which is the upliftment, he said, change yourself and you will change thousands. He didn't mean that everyone would become exactly like him or like every one of his disciples, but that people can be lifted in spirit. And this improves the well-being, the whole health of oh, the whole world. And of course, he changed thousands. He changed thousands, millions. He was such a wonderful, wonderful example for us all. He focused on lifting himself up. So with mother's teachings, we tend to, and mother often taught for, you know, read these gospel readings, and she many times wouldn't explain the esoteric meaning. She would just tell the, te the story like it is and, and marvel at the, and really what it, what it evokes within the human breast, this notion that this great avatar, this great incarnation, the Christians call, call him, this is something that can really happen. And then she just says, imagine that and then bring it into yourself and see that shining example of the incarnation within yourself and learn to believe that. Mother took much of the Christian world. And this is definitely something Master wanted done too. To answer you, this in the Holy Science actually takes on the book of Revelation. So these are really important things to do. To talk about the esoteric, the mythological aspects and then compare it to other teachings and to realize from a higher plane that these things can be seen as being talking about the same things. The thing is, this world is so complex that the manifestation of each person's realization, the way it actually plays out, is always different. Each soul goes through different things depending on what they've already worked through in other lifetimes. Mother... I had this one person, I've told this story just recently, but I'll say it again. It's something she told afterwards, but I never saw the person. But uh, the person had come into Bonnie's house in Seattle, 
and sat in the back, if I remember right. And then when uh, mother went, to, oh, would always go to the back of the room and stand and people would greet her on the way out. And so this person met mother and, and she got a hug from mother. And mother said after this person left, and I, I should say for certain, she probably, there's probably someplace in mother's talks where this is talked about, we can get more accuracy. But at any rate, she said this person wasn't necessary to see, to be any, any more, uh, to gain her real full realization that that was the last contact the soul needed. And so we all are at different states of consciousness and different realizations from other lifetimes that we can. This is why some people seem to grow in the spirit so quickly sometimes is because it's a ground that's already been tread, tread upon and there's familiarity with it. And then there's the next level, as David so brilliantly talks about it, the next level higher that you gain access to because you've, att you've attained the understanding at one level, and then you move on to the next. You move to the state with complete identity, complete identification with God. Ananda, uh, Swami Vishwananda, person that we, David and I and Kate and Phyllis uh, visited with in India and traveled with, he tells the story of Ananda Moyama that when she traveled, she often traveled by train and car, but often long distances by train, that she would um, just uh, stand up and walk out of the ashram down to the train station. And he said, I saw, he saw this many times that she would get there and the train would pull up at exactly that spot. And he said, once you see it a few times, you know she's working on a different uh, level. Just a remarkable thing. That these that these states of consciousness eventually come to the point where your identification with God is so indistinguishable. You give you a story with Mother Krishna by people said, well, how, how is it you see, uh, you know, she saw Papa, Mother Teresa saw Jesus in all the people who came before her. How can you do this? And how can you just automatically know what to do? And she said, when I move my hand, I don't have to know anything about the hand. I don't negotiate with the hand. The hand moves. This is a, this is a reflexive state. It's a reflexive acknowledgement of that soul who stands before me as being the Christ, Papa, whatever, whatever uh, a person sees, Rama and Krishna. That's what it's necessary to see. But this state of identification isn't so much the final state because it still has some notion of duality associated with it. If you have a body, believe me, the duality is, is there to contend with. But there is this complete identification with God that you realize that all before you are yourself and not part of yourself 
Now it's the mind seeing the differences, expressions of yourself. And you see yourself being responsible for the whole world, as Mother talked about so beautifully, and that she, she said sometimes that I had a lot to be responsible for. There's much to explain in this world. But that's attaining that state that takes you into alone, being so alone, too. And that is a, has aspects of being terrifying. Now, Ramakrishna said that if, if realization was granted to people who weren't ready for it, it would be like an, aimed, uh, an elephant being set inside a small house, that even small movements of the elephant would shake the house apart. But that the... The recognition to expand that self to encompass the larger house, the world, the universe, the island universes. There is a state wherein nothing exists but your true self. David always explained this incredible story when he had the vision of mother and master visit him in Cloud Mountain at the end of his year of silence, in which the mirth, he called it, the bubbling joy, would just elevate out of their bodies. They would lift up their their hearts and they would feel this joy so strongly that it just burbled out of them. So that full self-realization is complete understanding and knowledge of your oneness with God. But here is the interesting part. There's a complete acceptance of everything in this world, everything in all the worlds that can make you laugh. <coughs> and to experience existence itself as joy. You know, we sometimes think existence is imposed upon us. That's not the existence of this, of the one self of God, one God self. It is complete ownership. 
and that existence itself is nothing but joy. Sri Yukteswar teaches in the holy science that Ananda is separated from Chit as the first set, uh, separation of the basic. Now Sat is translated as truth, but also as essence and existence. Existence itself immediately divides into two things. That's consciousness and Ananda, bliss. And we have a further clue about bliss. Sri Yukteswar explains how it falls, falls down through and is the foundation for the notions of time and space. But what we learn from Papa that bliss itself, true Ananda anyway, is correctly defined to not be dual in nature. So the Chit's understanding, apprehension of Ananda is not dual. But from Ananda all things happen. Duality is informed by Chit, by consciousness but it is manifested by Ananda. And so this is why also we can find this joy, this Ananda. We can find it in every circumstance. It is there. But it does take realization. It does take this path that we are on to gain sufficient appreciation and a sufficient altitude to see it. So to bring us back to the notion of Christmas, we are very filled with joy in this story of this small little seed growing in Bethlehem and changing the world. And it's a joyful time. Yet to think, too, how much there is to go through. The joy is there because of realization that the great event has started. The thing that we've been hoping for, if you want, the incarnation, the avatar, the descent of the avatar, in our, into our very midst. Isn't it wonderful to think of Krishna walking through the room and Jesus and Rama and the Buddha to be walking in this room right now when we're feeling I'm feeling David so strongly. I know he would love to be here in form for just a few minutes. And then we have the story that after Jesus is born on the eighth day, he goes in for circumcision. He's taken to a temple. And Simeon is standing, is sitting outside blind, and he hears the baby cry. And he, he realizes that that which he has been waiting for is, is upon him. And he, in the different stories, walks in and wants to see the child, to feel the child. 
makes me think he wasn't blind, was he? But, um, and then he states to Mary in a sword cell, pierce your heart. A foreshadowing of that which was to come. And is a necessary thing to defeat this notion we have of our singularity, of our loneliness, of our single self, all alone. But we should have joy at the thought that, that the work has begun. At whatever level we're at. We wouldn't be called to come to this path without it coming from other lifetimes, fervent prayers. Very real, very fervent prayers for the Christ to come, for the Messiah to come. That we've lived through in other lifetimes as Jews, as Christians, as Muslims, Hindus, Buddhists, everything else. We start from where we start. We start the path. We continue the path. In in reality, when you gain human birth, you're already on the path. Meher Babas tells us that human existence, human birth, is at the very pinnacle of the last stage for before full realization. That's the first birth of many. It's just the last little bit of the path we've been through. Before we get too worried about how difficult it will be and how much we have to go through, we must realize that time itself is a construct. And so we can see this as an evolutionary thing for the soul. And it's necessary to accept it that way. But that spirit within you is with is able to comprehend the very highest plane. It's attached to the Christ within. And it's very intimate. It's your closest self. This is what we simply don't believe. We think of our closest self as being not acceptable for this exalted uh, state of consciousness, of self-realization, God-realization. It's not true. It's not true. Let me read this thing of mothers and animal clothes. Read it again. That story has been told millions and millions of times since the time of Christ. And it never ceases to be a tale of glory because it is a story of Christ, the Savior of every man. He resides in the heart of everyone. 
He is that infinite intelligence which is within each of us. <clears throat> we who are on the path of higher truth have come to see the birth of the Christ in a very different way than we saw it when we followed the story historically. And yet that historical story has a charm, a mystic quality about it that never ceases to be to hold us enraptured. We think of all the events leading up to the birth of Jesus, the Son of Man, who became the Christ, the Son of God, and they are thrilling indeed. His birth was prophesied even in Isaiah, and it said that a child would be born who would be a savior to men. So I don't have my cheat sheet for the closing prayer. I'll do the best I can. You can help me as we go along. Please pray with me. Oh, Heavenly Father. Oh, oh Heavenly Father. Father. Divine Mother. Divine Mother. I feel the wonder and the beauty. I feel the wonder and the beauty. Of thy glorious presence. Of thy glorious presence. In every part of my being. In every part of my being. My heart is bursting with my love for thee. My, my heart is bursting with my love for thee. I kneel in adoration at thy feet. I kneel in adoration at thy feet. And surrender myself to thee. And surrender myself to thee. I feel the wonder power of thy perfection of thy perfection searching in every cell of my body. My mind and my intelligence are radiant with thy healing light. My soul is filled with the ecstasy and bliss of my communion with thee. I and my Father are one. Blessed Spirit, I am he.
Merry Christmas, everyone. Merry, Merry Christmas. Christmas. It's nicer to have it a little closer to Christmas on Sunday. So, but Mother always wanted time for Christmas Day itself for her family. So she always had it a week before. the stories of St. Francis is that um, one time Christ came in the midst of a, a time of prayer and meditation amongst his disciples and they are all slain in the spirit in which they all were just laying down the ground forced just completely out of consciousness and then that happens at several other times in, in some of the stories where much like we have now
We're still in our chairs. <laughs> We're still in our chairs, though. <laughs> yeah. They didn't have chairs. David could say, I think we have a potluck. Yeah. Exactly. It's nice to be in this state, though, isn't it? Beautiful. Thank you, Lois. Thank you, Lois and Jerry.